Welcome to the PivotCast. This episode was recorded on September 20th, 2017. This episode marks the season 10 opener for the Pivot reading series. This episode features readings from Lynn Crosby, Allison Lasorda, and Natalie Wee. Just so you know, this episode contains a bit of strong language and mature themes. Listener's discretion is advised. Beautiful people, thank you for coming to Pivot. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Pivot season 10. Yeah. Michelle, yes. Michelle and I are thrilled, thrilled to kick off this season with the astounding three authors that we've brought into the room tonight. Lynn Crosby. Alison Lasorda, Natalie Wee. All of us, we're all prepared to be blown away. Um, Before we begin, I just wanted to extend a really warm welcome to all of you, of course, uh, for making the time to come out on a Wednesday night in October, an unusually hot October in Toronto. I just came from Alberta and it was freezing up in the mountains. Uh, (laughs) Oh, what did I say? September. I am perpetually in October, and all of you know why. <laughs> you all know why. I'm just, I'm just in October all the time. Um, yes, September. Uh, <laughs> I also wanted to say thanks uh, to a few people who have worked with us uh, all summer long uh, in figuring out how to be uh, great hosts to a really diverse range of people. Dorothy Palmer has been our accessibility consultant all summer long, and I want to extend some thanks and maybe some applause for (laughs) what we've learned from her uh, and and why we're a lot better, because um, we've open the doors to a lot more people who wouldn't be able to come and enjoy literature with us otherwise. Um, thank you to CJRU out of Ryerson University, to Tiffany and Karen, um, who are basically taking this thing into the podcast realm. So do check us out on SoundCloud. Um, doing a remarkable job. Thank you. Uh, Robbie at Transac uh, for being really generous with with Pivot and opening up the space for us. It's really nice and cozy and cool, and there's a beautiful energy in this room. Uh, I can't wait to see how it keeps going. Uh, TAC, Toronto Arts Council, for giving us more money (laughs) so we can pay our authors. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And uh, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you for for all the work that you know we put into. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna get the show on the road. Why you came here, right? Not to listen to me blab on forever. So our first reader for tonight is Lynn Crosby.
Lynn Crosby is the author of The Corpses of the Future, out from House of Anansi Press 2017. It is a collection of poems named by and about her father's serious illness. She has written other collections, most recently Liar in 2009. A novelist and PhD who is who has taught at the AGO, the University of Toronto, Sister Rights, and OCAD University, she is making a very slow lateral move to photography. Welcome, Lynn Crosby. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. You're so nice. I, this is the only reading I've done, really, for this book, except for the, la- the shockingly ill-attended launch. So, but you were there, Paul. Are you still here, Paul? Yeah. Okay, you were there. <laughs> That's my man. So I'm going to, yes, yeah, so thank you, Kanisha. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, everyone. And um, I'm going to read three poems. You can count them off. And they're not epics. The first one was nominated for the Kirby T. Cutie Award. I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> As Kinesia said, yes, these are about my father, and so I'll just go into them. This is called Crooks. The spring finally wakes and rolls over into summer. It has been 18 months. I am sleeping entire days beside my wheezing dog, who, seeing me, smiles. Getting him outside into the heart of the riot of color and sound. I choose seeds at the hardware stores, store, the ones that look like they have the best chance to survive. We frank through the colors and sounds as people's happiness adheres to us like pollen I want to wash away, like the cling of foul humidity. The defiant sun telling me with brute malevolence that I will pay and pay. It was thieves today, picking at him as he slept, tossing his pockets. He got up, of course, forgetting he cannot walk and went down like an oak. Five people had to lift him using hydraulics. I hurt my fat ass, he says. Yesterday, 19 cats died in a fire. His misery was absolute. In 1972, he identified my young aunt's body with my mother's father, dead in the bluebird fire, his own terrible story. He relives it often, this or losing his parents, more grief. We had fought for a long time before his accident about nothing and everything that pride musters and burns. He finally wrote me a letter that ended in a prayer and I seized it quickly from the flames. Okay, Um, this is called What Was Once Russia. The CCP or whatever, my father says anxiously, I've been here for 15 years. I remind him that Francis is almost 15, his limp little legs unable to get on the streetcar steps today. My baby, I said, lifting him up. So it can't have been that long. Summer is shuffling forward. In the park, we are glanced by a yellow frisbee and a green ball, and every day my mother calls with a smaller voice to tell me something that Dad said. Did I tell you he wrote a poem, she says, and do you want to hear it? She tells me, birds and bees and buffalo weeds. And today, your father said today that he is sitting in front of a big blackboard that is dark and everything is erased. He can't remember anything. Oh, a young girl cried when I lifted my sick dog. Oh no, I think very quickly before the eraser speeds over. She is telling the days of his dying. 
The spongy rectangle leaves something like sky writings passing, a faint impression of something crucial in its blown out clouds. And uh, this last one's called Parole. Begins with um, epigraph. Aphasia consists of a breakdown in the two-way translation process that establishes a correspondence between thoughts and language. Aphasia is not a disorder of perception. M. Marcel Masulam. Neurologists posit a number of steps between a thought and its expression. In other words, a thought can really move stretch out its hamstrings, run in place, then leap, landing beyond the cirrus clouds inside the geological survey, its grid color-coded and intact. Or it may behave like a drunken slattern at her toilette, atomizing with Avon crystal aura and drawing on her eyebrows with a burnt match. I am Gloria Gaynor, the thought, originally an ominous MasterCard bill, spills out of a low-cut, nylon-trimmed rayon slip. Mid-trip, the thought may change tack or list with ennui, retreating to its bachelor pad, a cushy, crenellated line. This is something I talk about with my dad, more or less. That is, I talk without talking, as he does when the bombs are poised to detonate or the cyanide capsules are breaking open in the chamber, meaning naturally that he is trapped in a violent ward filled with screams and heavy doors and recessed numerical code boxes that he is blind and locked also in the dark that spreads like a stain until everything has been soiled, and that his words too are captive on occasion when they mutate with memory, emotion impairing their objectivity as when someone has died long ago, but it feels new, and this is not news, I feel the same. My sister is visiting my parents. She tells my father that she saw a groundhog at the bus station this morning. Where was he going, he says. Thought and language fusing into a key that lets him out and lets us in, and we laugh. It's that simple. Thank you. One more time for Lynn, please. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, opening our season, Lynn. That was fantastic. Um, and yeah, here we are. Uh, I liked that it's like dim like the press club and really hot like the steady, so it's the best of all of our previous venues. <laughs> Allison holds an MFA from the University of Guelph and has received residency scholarships from the BANTS Center for the Arts and Creativity and the Vermont Studio Center. Her writing appears in publications like Prism, Shannon Doe, The Fiddlehead, Hazlitt, and others. Her first, first book, Stray, was published by Ice House Poetry, Gooseland Editions, in 2017. And she is currently at work on a short story collection. Please give a warm welcome to Allison. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for squeezing me in to pivot this season. It's awesome. I'm just going to read a couple poems. This one's called Midsummer Signal. Oh, it was sunny above the cloud line. I climbed steep ridges, suffered shrub-bloodied ankles to call you, and it left the same message each time. Once armed to the nines with appraisals, guts spun inside me like soft serve. I described the archipelago until your mailbox was full, rinsed my wounds in brackish water. 
In a crumbling castle, I traversed a velvet rope to the royal weapon room and counted so many guns I got vertigo. On a guided tour, I learned that when the sun shines for years on leather wallpaper, it splits and shrivels. Storied lore in colors is ruined slowly over time, as everything is. Lo, sometimes even in the lap of Baroque luxury, you can't escape daylight. Um, I'm going to read a couple newish poems as well. Um, Hinterland. Low ceilings, no corners, crooked stairs, threshold puddles. Look, my hair is everywhere. I never signed this lease. Men renovate next door, thrashing their way to the studs. Drywall so thin a zephyr cracks a trap size hole to my blotted out escape hatch. Am I cast out? It's impossible to concentrate. Outside, birds repeat their names with the panicked sounds they make. Abandoned home, it slams and pummels, only to confront the pattern of a closing door. Dead zones synchronize where seasons lose their grip. Flocks hustle in formation. Next door, corners are being made. I trace a blueprint's dotted line till its shape is intuited as magnetic pull. Here is hinterland. I open my mouth and frost falls out. The Pocket. An untouchable and drastic movement soothed us into 200 square feet. It's the city, we say. We hold on to more or less the same things, side by each. Don't ask after us. We've been combing an edge into this sand for months. We vacation to the north. An empty path is our path for the minor seconds during which we sense its beauty, pass over it to stare at fog that chimneys across the mountains, maybe even until the slaps of our entitled feet are inaudible from a significant distance. Autumn is already rubbing its scent on corners. It calls for reducing cold, tangible room. We'll stitch up a cerulean pool into a pocket, make it usable. We could live here, you say. Imagine we lived here, I say. The water gains speed, bounces light back, dives into and out of the question. Um, I'll read one more. The wetlands draw conclusions. Three people saw me naked with mercury in retrograde. Each a Sagittarius, they had nothing in common. The sky fell in blurry chunks at my side. My Leo died is why. His particular sneeze, his urges, noted, then thrown out on a crumpled sheet. You can't unsee the crease in paper once you fold it. In my binoculars beam, a grackle sunned itself upon the atmospheric rubble, puzzled but content to shine. There may not be light enough for all of us. Living is waving your arms for help in pitch dark. The fire signs took me to a swamp with live, rowdy things. Flowering water, glass, grass electric with hum, ribbit, tweet. I cleaved the wetlands to chase them back to city grid. A new orbit started, as though it couldn't wait. 
If they had a birding goal, I didn't find their blue jay. Thank you. Thank you, Allison, for putting us in this trance. Our final reader for tonight, Natalie Wee, is the author of Our Bodies and Other Fine Machines from Words Dance Publishing, published in 2016. Her work has been published or is forthcoming in the Adwa Journal, Drunken Boat, Prism International, Maisonneuve, and more. She has been nominated for a Pushart Prize and the Best of the Net Anthology 2016. You can find more of her work at Natalie Wee, W-E-E, Writer Writes, NatalieWeeWrites.com. Please welcome Natalie to the Pivot Mic. Thanks for having me, and thanks, Kinesi. I love you. <laughs> um, I'm going to read five poems for you. Please don't run out on me, or like do, but like quietly, so I don't see it. Um, so my first poem from my book, and I'm only reading one poem from this, so if you want more, go like buy it or something. Like, um, it's called Silverfin. It should have been one year this December, but instead it's just my birthday. My new dress wears my birth color. I'm sorry for leaving home. What flounders know of days is taking after coral. What I know of survival is being a shadow. This language, still necessity, my blood hasn't outlived. Science contemplates seahorses in love, tethered by the promised ring of parental tales. A merciful island the size of despite. How was I to know that I wouldn't get to choose the red country I grew out of? Did my parent that my family would be split rafts in messy tide pools, each meandering down a different antler in a wishbone river we once knew like a pond skater's debut waltz. If we should ever meet again, whether by migratory fortitude or the precise accident of swollen moon calling shore, I want them to know I was always worse at biology than I laid claim to otherwise. Wasted all this sea air holding salt in my mouth. I taught to dive through the dark cave I was born in, only to propel myself into another. Still tropical fish in distant water, squirt through with bones. Once, I imagined my country saying, I'm sorry for not being big enough for you to grow out of sooner. You, always leaping upstream, hooked teeth and flashing silver, a reminder that the most beautiful things will kill us. I hope the ocean loves you so much you feel free in its arms. Now I imagine the triumphant tide, vengeful swallow awaiting a citizen of searching. Motherland, I hope you don't forgive me. I know I still haven't. Um, next poem I'm gonna read was published in this magazine, so thank you to this magazine for publishing it. This is Border Song. That morning on a hostile beach, eyes fixed on glimmering edges of the old world, you were already forgetting your real name. Not the one born from parents' careful knowledge of glamorous silver screens and all-American sweethearts, each syllable leashing your neck in preparation for years of settling new tongues to waiting throat. No, not that. The one once given by a fortune teller who saw a distant horizon burning the sky to silence. The birth name that means iridescent, means radiant puncture seen only in the absence of white light. 
but hush. Be a mouth that stays soft. Be careful to call yourself lucky. Open your eyes, little girl. Nobody looks like you. Only one to wear your warm skin for sleek, exotic fur. Touch the place where you are born and own it. You stand on so much familiar graves built out of any body a little too foreign. The invisible color you call flesh. So try not to be wound. No grievances. Perfect accent. Always laugh. Learn how many reinventions it takes to become someone other than dirty, ungrateful drink when you are already other. This one is called, White Men Call You a Dirty Immigrant, But Comic Books Call You Vagabond. The first and most complex alchemy you learned is a horizon meets sky by standing underneath it. The skyline's only blue splintered by telephone wire. Your father taught you this. Even now, you see him ascending some outcropping rock, his flesh encased in discount denim from a New Zealand thrift store. Fingers of his right fist warm a silver band, which is all that tethers him to an exit. Somewhere beneath this vast awning, everyone he loves is exhaling a future. He thinks they call this peer after the act of watching flood turn family into relative intervals. 12 hours, two years, 30 years. His shadow measured only in footsteps. You know horizons form the same distance no matter where you stand. You're always missing your family. You are always missing your family. You wear your father's pelt and bequeath your mother's hair to places you were last seen alive. Some nights you forget your pillow is not her hand. Um, okay, the next two poems I'm gonna do for you, one is, the first one I'm gonna do is called Staying Power, which will be published in Mezzanouf eventually, sometime. <laughs> like, if Mezzanouf people are here, no stress, that's not what I meant, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, staying power. Imagine the world whittled down to an electric house, teeth gleaming in every aperture. Inside its mouth, illuminated only by unsolid light, a man crawls through bolted doors for the safest room to plant his feet in. Tilling his tracks, a woman's sweat blooms the diameter of the ocean. Each damp offspring knows its mother's temple, the way she knows her country, is wherever she finds a window to the sun. The brief sky she slept under before a new language soldiered terrain to fever. Death bringing tongues. My parents, humans made beasts at every threshold, made humans by sheer mercy of stems wetting a pocketbook, testament to places they had been seen alive. My parents shapeshifters, who braved crosshairs for the future they saw through it and how they stood still, so close to slaughter, if only to see me born. And I was born with a belly button in case I forgot every entry is a wound. The clutch of afterbirth promise, blood will always defy any body that holds it captive. After all, everyone like me knows the honest work of hauling warm limbs through watery passages. To the end of my shadow no longer touches the ancestral door, till I swallow foreign guns and spit out skeleton keys. Mama always said I began teething extraordinarily early, which is to say that a daughter birthed from immigrant dreams comes out hungry.
The last poem I'm gonna do is called How to Win the Appropriation Prize, inspired by the <laughs> events earlier this year. Thank you. How to Win the Appropriation Prize. Write this. Two days before I can discern who would skin me in any given room, a white woman reinvents doorways into my country via conquering army of fists. Write a flood of gapes. Telegraphing indifference with precision, bonafide post-racial audience to exhibit of landmine and trespass. Write all those useless stories, vulturing a gutted horizon, and under it a girl's lies, warbling ocean, to a colony where her mother sleeps, unbruised for now. And then write yourself, brave witness. Recreate the sad chink cinematic. My grief made luminous for critics gold stars, ovations, a roiling bullet built to bridge water and rain soldiers. See, one year ago, white men cleaved through my friend's body and found a ledger of lives they owned. Can you pronounce her birth name perfectly? Can you languish the distance between someone I love and the next chokehold? After all, you've harvested scream for sand, abetting for applause. Write about my pelt, gorgeous and blood warm, the voyeuristic thrill of owning something by being inside it, and I'm beautiful surgery in your grand invention, finally made real because you stroked me with ink damp hands, but not in my story. See, my story is subjective, my story is protest, my story is an unending cry in the mouth of a creature that knows hunger before it knows it's speaking. My story is unbearable because it bears my body, which bears my life, which is also unbearable. My life is unbearable. There, I said that. And somewhere, in a writing classroom, a professor is saying that a true poem is built from tactile nouns. He's looking at you when he says that something's only good when it lets itself be touched. Thank you. Natalie, that was so fantastic. One more time, please. Let's just keep clapping. I mean, very many chills. Um, thank you for coming, you guys. This is uh, scary and exciting for us. It was a new venue. It's a new season, new hosts. Uh, we can't tell you how much it meant that you all showed up. Uh, just like ready for whatever. <laughs> so thank you. Um, I'm sure you can stay. It's kind of like when you move into a new apartment and you kind of like want to be cool for the landlord, but also want to party. So like, I don't know. <laughs> um, just like be cool and respectful and just do whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> Vivicast airs on CJRU 12:80 a.m. on Wednesdays and Thursdays from 2 to 3 p.m. and streams on cjru.ca. For more information on the Pivot Reading series, go to pivotreadings.ca.